You're listening to episode 37 of Daughters on Fire with Robin Arab and Melissa Burton. In today's episode, Robin and I are going to talk about the sticker shock of growing old. Yes, it's true. It can be expensive as you start to age and need more care, whether that's care in the home or you're thinking about moving to a facility. So now's the time Robin and I are going to break down those numbers so maybe they're not as scary as they may seem without understanding them. So come on and join us as we dive deep into Sticker Shock. Are you stressed, burned out, and looking for answers as you care for an aging parent? If you are, this podcast is for you. Here you will receive actionable advice from seasoned professionals, validation and compassion for the incredibly tough job you are doing, and most importantly, supportive love from a community of like-minded warriors. You're not alone. Join this powerful community as we support you on your complicated journey and help you transform into an empowered and calmer caregiver. All right, welcome back. It's Robin and Melissa here to talk to you about money. Yucky. It seems like we've been on this kick lately, Robin, having these tough conversations, but they're very, very important. And we're going to talk about the sticker shock of how expensive it is to age and what care looks like as you're starting to get into, you know, the pricing of in-home care, facility care, and all the nuts and bolts around that. So Robin's going to kick us off. Um, yeah, you're going to, I'm passing it to you, Robin. You, you tell us all about the money stuff. Yeah. Make me the bad guy. Yeah. We're going to talk about, um, as my mom would say, let's get down to the nitty gritty. So let's talk about what it looks like. And I think most people in today's world have misconceptions of what care looks like. They either think that it's going to be very affordable or they think they can't afford it at all and there's no middle ground. So we're going to tell you today how you can mix and match and make it work out just for your family because as you know, if you've seen one family, you've seen one family. So we will get started with non-medical home care. This is home care that folks, caregivers come into your home. They do anything I like to say, the extra wife that everybody needs. They do the extra cooking, the laundry, the, they help with bathing and dressing. They do all sorts of different things, anything that is not medical. So they are the extra hands and ears and helpers that are in the home. I think, Melissa, sometimes it's also called companion care. Yes, and I've heard it referred to as just sitters as well. So... That, that's the first step we're going to talk about. It's the people coming into your home. This care is private pay unless you have long-term care insurance. And then you also have to qualify through the long-term care insurance if they will be able to help assist with payment on this. So your typical non-medical company charges anywhere from about $21 to $29. It just depends on the level of care and the type of company that you are actually hiring. That ends up being about $16,200 a month. So that's a big chunk of pay. Now that is for 24-7 care. That's around-the-clock care that you have somebody in there all the time. And to add to that, most of you might think, well, then we have two caregivers at 12 hours each. That's not necessarily true. Most companies will not do that. They may break it up in six hours. They may do 12 hours. It just depends on what the company is doing. 
they also will have a four to five hour minimum. Now, if you're doing 24-7, that's not an issue. But if you're hiring them to bit pieces, then they have a four to five hour minimum, which a lot of people think that that's a big deal. And it's really not. You'd be surprised at what you can get done in four hours. They always say, oh, I don't need that much time. But if you're doing grocery shopping, cooking, bathing, it really does eat up that four hours. Go ahead, Melissa. I was just going to say, it's it's fascinating to me that the in-home care is both the least expensive and the most expensive. So you can see it really runs the gamut as far as the cost associated with it. And one of the things that I see families getting into is that they just want to start small. They just want a couple hours here and there. And like you said, those minimums start to really shock them. They're like, I don't need that amount of time. But this is where being cognizant that you're getting better value. If you have a little bit extra time, you're getting those better caregivers and you're getting more consistent caregivers if you go for larger chunks of time. If you only have a couple hours here and there for with a uh, an agency, then it could be that they send you a different caregiver every single time. And that's not going to be good for you, for the caregiver, for anybody. So if you can up it and maximize what you're getting out of it, maybe have them run errands, have them do certain things around the home that you would not have thought of then you're going to be getting a better quality care than just, you know, your one off. Hey, well, this week we need a couple of hours randomly on Wednesday. And then next week we may need two days. That doesn't work well when it comes to these sitter companies. I agree with that 100%. And I often, I do believe that non-medical home care is your entry into care because it does, as you said in the beginning, you don't have very many hours. It's not as expensive. But Having that same caregiver is what you want. You want consistency. So I often tell families, you may not think that you need it two times a week or three times a week, but do it that way. Because especially if you're dealing with somebody with cognitive issues, you need to have that repetition, that routine that they know that somebody's coming these days. And when you do it on a Monday and then you don't see them again till the next Monday, they don't really learn. And then you start over. It's a whole new process. So take those things in in mind as you're making these plans. And Melissa, I think you talked about, you know, money's not always the issue. Can you expand about that a little bit? Yeah, I think that, you know, cost is not the only consideration. And also, I think we can get stuck on what it costs today versus what it costs over the long haul. Just like Robin pointed out in the beginning, the in-home care may be the least expensive if you're just doing a couple hours or a couple of days a week for, you know, six hours at a time. But in the long run, it starts to add up. So you may want to look at it as a big picture and not just what it is today. Can you maybe look at, and Robin will get into the different facility costs. Can you look at a facility setting where they could settle into a routine, maybe stay there longer and maximize their longevity and their health and their interaction and everything they could get out of it longer and actually save money. You've got to look at it from a different perspective than just what is the price tag today. Right. So you have to look at the big picture. So your next step, if you're not doing in-home care, would be your assisted living. So you have to qualify also to go into an assisted living. And an assisted living now 
is where you live. So you're there around the clock. You're getting your meals. You're getting the entertainment. You're getting your medicines taken care of. You have caregivers at your beck and call basically all day long. So you're in this type setting, which again is private pay or long-term care insurance. And that will start at the very low range, about $2,600 a month. And that's really not feasible up to the $9,000 a month. And that is more all the care that you get. So when I so say Robin, it that you way, said like the not feasible, what do you mean that most people are not getting the all the care that they need for that rate? Right. It's just a very basic, get your foot in the door rate. So I think that what happens a lot of times, and, and be very careful about this as you're looking at assisted livings, they will get you in the door and say, hey, it's $2,600. We're in it. They're notorious for saying, we're running a special this month, so much off and we'll prorate it. And so you think that's terrific. Well, what that doesn't typically include is you may not need medication help right now, or you may not need bathing help. You may still be able to do that or toileting, those type things. So they don't charge you for that. But then something happens down the road, there's a decline, they fall And now they're saying, well, we do need the laundry services. We do need bathing. We do need these extra help. Well, then they start popping you in at here's an additional 500. And before you know it, you're up closer to that $9,000 mark where you thought, oh, this is great. I'm coming in at 2,600. So it sounds like what you might be suggesting is when you're pricing it out, again, don't just look at the price today, but look at the price down the road. Right. And make it very clear when when you're talking to them how that looks. Because, again, they're a business. They want you to come in. I'm not saying they're intentionally tricking you, but they want your business. They get you in the door. They know you're going to come in. You're going to be settled, and you don't really want to move mom again. But just be aware of what's going on. Be informed as you walk in that these things could happen. So I always say, even if you don't need the services right now, ask them, what is your all-in rate? This is what I want to know. And then you decide from there which way you want to go. Now, if you want to piece it and you want to do the 500 as you need it, that's entirely up to you. But just be aware that then your costs are going to increase. So then we look at long-term care nursing. And so that is where you're in a skilled facility and you're there long term. You have to qualify to be in a facility of this nature. And typically you're looking around $200 a day for a semi-private room. So that means you're going to spend out the rest of your life in a long-term care facility with a roommate, possibly a stranger, until you get to know them at that rate. So you're looking at $4,500 to $7,800 a month. And then if you want a private room, it goes up to about $219. And that brings your costs up to about $4,600 to $1,200, monthly. So remember, when we went back to that non-medical care, that was bits and pieces coming in. That was 24-7 that you're paying somebody. That's at $16,000 a year. When you are staying at home, in addition to that, you now also have the cost of the home maintenance, the food cost, the 
utilities, anything that comes and goes. Most people will still have a car, things like that at home. So you're paying all of that on top of your care, which is 16-2. At the assisted living and the nursing home level, the skilled care, long-term care level, all of that is taken care of. So monthly, all you're paying out are those amounts. So that's something to look at. A lot of people really think that having caregivers come in is the way to go. It's cheaper. It's not cheaper. It is actually, in the long run, your most expensive option. And finally, I'm just going to pop in here, secured care, and then I want to go back and talk about a few other things. But secured care is a a part of either a long-term care nursing home or an assisted living area where it is smaller staff to patient ratio. It is secured in that if they're a wanderer, they don't get out. They are locked in. You have to have codes to get in and out. They do all their programming and everything based upon those specific needs for those with cognitive issues. And that can look like 5000 a month up to 10000 a month. And I know a lot of people talk about going into assisted living and then they want to make sure there's a secure care, which I think is a good plan because then you're not moving them again. But as you're looking at the whole picture, you might come in at 5000 for assisted living, and then you realize they have to move to secure care, and now you're at 10000 a month. So you're dump- jumping up and down. So it is back to looking at that whole picture of what you will need in the future. The non-medical care, because you can piece it together, might be the way to start And you can mix and mold it until it's time to step up to an assisted living. And just to be clear, you do have to qualify as well to get into assisted living. You have to be able to need assistance with some of your activities of daily living. But the main thing to keep in mind is if you are in an assisted living, you have to be able to exit the building on your own in 13 minutes. And if you can, don't meet that criteria, then you are not eligible for an assisted living. So that's something to, to think about moving forward. You can, but, you can be like prompted. Right. You just can't, like physically you need to be able to do it on your own. And it's also, you need to be able to get to an emergency exit. So in some cases, like if it's a two-story building, you just have to get to the stairwell and then that that's all that they require. They, then emergency crews will take you down the stairwell from there. And my understanding is that even if you have a, a caregiver, because some folks will bring their caregivers into these facilities for extra security. If you're, if you have a caregiver who can get you there, then you're okay as well. It's just right. that you're not reliant on the staff to get you to those spots. Right. So with the non-medical care, and you're now spending this money out of pocket, think about how to strategically plan that. So if it's something that you can only afford eight hours a day, let's say, think about would you bring those people in overnight so you can sleep and then you take care in the morning or Vicky Versi, you, you turn it back and forth, however you want to do it, but piece it together. Now, their stipulation is only four hours, five hours minimum. You can move those hours any which way you want to. So if you decide that your loved one gets up at three in the morning and that's when you want that to happen, 
that's what you can do. You're the advocate. You make the decisions. Now, they're going to balk and say, there is no way I've got a caregiver that's going to come in at three in the morning. And that's probably true. They want, they can hire somebody. They can bring somebody in to do that. So you do it. I have had families that do four hours in the morning, get them up, get them bathed, get them breakfast, maybe put a sandwich in the refrigerator. They're safe to stay home by themselves for several hours or stay home with you during that time. Then they come back at night and they get them ready for bed and put them into bed because transfer them into bed. Because a lot of times, especially for women taking care of their husbands, the men are much larger and harder for them to transfer or they need help doing that. So you can piece it together and make it work. And as I mentioned briefly, most assisted livings and long-term care facilities or and including secure care, will allow you to bring a caregiver in. Now, that's double duty, and if you've got the money to do it, good for you. But that is a possibility. Some of them will make you use their caregivers, or they have to vet the caregivers you bring in. You may be charged a fee for that. So all of these can intermingle as you need them. You may go from one and skip off to the other. You may not do that one, or you may go here or there. But you can mix and match it. But Melissa, talk a little bit about Medicaid facilities and what that looks like as far as utilizing your finances and income to the best possible solution for care. Well, I have a lot of families that I'm currently working with and have in the past. So this will be kind of a composite example, a situation where somebody thinks that they have prepared well for retirement, or they know that they have a a chunk of change, if you will, but they realize their funds may not last for the duration of their care needs. And so they're, they're again, with the sticker shock, they're like, how are we going to make this happen? And their thoughts are, we need to make our money last until the end of life. But when you don't automatically know that, hey, we've got plenty of money, We've got funds that are going to take care of what we need and then also provide a legacy when it's like, no, we've got a certain amount of funds. We need to stretch it as best we can. Then what you need to be looking at is less about getting to the end of life and more about getting to the safety net, which is Medicaid. So skilled nursing, your highest level of care is where most people end up running out of money. This is the cost where Robin was talking about, where it's around $200 a day, not including medications and other expenses that might go along with it, but roughly the facility plus medications is going to be quite expensive and you're going to run through your money pretty fast. So luckily in those situations, there are many, many Medicaid facilities in our country that help people who run out of funds. Not every facility is a Medicaid facility. So that's something to really keep in mind. If you go to a skilled nursing facility and people are asking, well, are you going to stay here, private pay? Are you going to stay here permanently? Don't assume that it's a Medicaid facility and once you run out of money that you're going to be able to stay there. You won't. So what you need to do is get your money in a position where you can spend as as you go, probably the bulk of it on your on your assisted living expenses or the expenses at home care and, and 
assisted living expenses, because those are two areas where Medicaid is not as robust. Yes, there are Medicaid options out there in those arenas, but they have long waiting lists and they're probably for people who can't stretch it. And the the options also are probably not, you don't have as many choices. So if you can spend your money in these areas to get the better choices, to stretch you as long as you can in that level of care, then when you get to the higher level of skilled care nursing, once you qualify and need that level of care, you need a vet Medicaid facilities that you're comfortable with and get into those facilities. And once you're there, you can spend down the rest of your funds and then transition into Medicaid. So that's something to keep in mind that if you're worried that the money is not going to last you your entire life and that you might need spend down in Medicaid as an option, that you look at it strategically to get to a Medicaid facility and not necessarily worry about stretching your dollars to end of life. So Melissa, talk a little bit about these great agencies that step up and say, we will find you the perfect match for your mom and here's how we help. Yep. (laughs) Warning, warning, warning. Be wary of the agency placement agencies out there. They, we won't name names, but there's, there's not just one. There's you know, many people that dabble in this free placement, we're going to help you. And what happens is that they are getting paid. They're just not getting paid by you. They're getting paid a lot of money for facilities. So they may not always have your best interest in mind. And you can get inundated with calls. Robin, why don't you tell us a little bit about what happened to you this morning as a perfect example of how, yeah, it it can, can spiral quickly. Well, as we were getting ready to do the podcast, I thought I'm going to check some of my facts and figures. So I hop on the computer, I put into Google what I think is the um, information I need. And I was not paying attention. I click on the first one and it turns out to be one of these companies. Immediately, I mean, I hadn't even closed out my window on my computer. They called, they called three times. I blocked them. They called back on a different number. Hmm. So this is just, for me, probably in the two-hour period, I've gotten four calls, three emails about them wanting to help me. So they know nothing about me. They know nothing about what I'm ready to ask, but they're going to make it, I guarantee you, sound like the perfect solution. It does. It definitely becomes a spam risk at the least. At the most, you know, you might not get the best placement advice. The Another um, problem with it is that they send your information, not just to their company and they're calling you, but to assisted livings that they want you to go to that they have contracts with. So you might be giving away your phone number to like 10 sales representatives from facilities out there. So you can really start to get inundated with people reaching out wanting to sell you. And again, you need advice. You need to know what is the best fit. You are going to be dealing with these sales representatives from these facilities, but you want to go in with guidance, not with somebody spamming you. 
So that's definitely something to keep in mind with. And again, like we said, they do get paid. They get paid from the facility and it's not like a couple hundred dollars. We're talking potentially thousands of dollars. Sometimes they get the first full month of rent as a kickback. So it's, it's a money-making machine. And in addition to that, there are some other companies that dabble in this a little bit, some non-medical or sitter companies that use it as additional income streams. Sometimes they know you because you've been working with them for a little while. So this is not always a bad idea, but it's always a good idea for you to know how they're getting paid, maybe how much they're getting paid, and vet that so that you know they're giving you the best information. That they're not just pointing you in a direction because, hey, this facility they've got a good relationship with and it gives them a really good commission. It may be the best facility for you. It may be that those non-medical companies or some of these services that they know these facilities enough to know that they have quality care, their, you know, their ratios, it may be the best fit, but no, you know, buyer beware when you're working with them. Well, and I know that as you're starting this journey and you're confused and you're overwhelmed and you're exhausted from probably taking care of somebody at home, when they say, hey, we'll do the footwork for you, we'll do all of the the meetings and all of the information for you, that sounds very appealing. But let's remember, nothing easy is ever good, necessarily, and nothing free, nothing is free. There's always some, some backlash in there somehow. So again, just be very cautious with that. But double check with somebody. Don't always just take the first one off the cuff. And I suggest with companies and with any any facility, whether it be assisted living or nursing home, don't go nuts and, and do 10 because you're just going to make yourself crazy. Do about three and then decide from those three what you think most facilities are going to be aesthetically pleasing when you walk in. That I mean, that's what they want, your first impression to come in. But bottom line is, these facilities and these care companies are only as good as the caregivers they hire. So you need to do a little bit more background. I know with I've worked with the non-medical companies in the past. Check to see how they take care of their caregivers. A caregiver is typically paid less than somebody who works at McDonald's, and they do considerably more work, hard work than somebody who is at McDonald's as far as hands-on care and taking people's lives into their own hands. So find out if their company is giving them bonuses, if they're giving them overtime, if they're giving them uh, medical insurance, because that didn't used to be a big thing. And now some of the companies are offering different benefits. Do they get paid vacation, paid sick leave, things like that? Find out how well they treat, because Melissa, as we both know, this is a very incestuous industry and they will go from one company to the next as well as one facility to the next because they're looking for who's going to treat them the best. And there are caregivers that have a heart for this. They were born for this. They do it. They love it. They enjoy it. And then there's people, and this is with any industry, that they're just there for a paycheck. So you want to make sure how they're vetting their employees as well. You know, are they putting an ad on Craigslist or are they really out there recruiting high quality employees. Absolutely. And as Robin mentioned, we are going to be doing as a second part 
to this series, we're going to be doing a um, how to tour facility segment on our podcast. So stay tuned for that. We're going to dive much deeper into what specifically to look for, what to ask when you go tour facilities. So, and maybe how to weed out facilities that you don't need to go tour, you know, what criteria to, to whittle them down to those top three that Robin was talking about. So that will be our next episode. And any last thoughts, Robin, today on the shock of the, you know, the cost of growing old? Well, it's not cheap. (laughs) It is not cheap. That is true. It's not cheap, but you can make your money work if you get creative. Yeah, absolutely. And and speaking of making your money work and getting creative, for all you daughters out there, this is a good wake-up call for us to see if our finances are in a position where we will have what we need as we age so that maybe you don't find you're putting your loved ones in the same position to stretch a dollar, you know, make one dollar into a hundred thousand, right? That cost you to, to age a year. So just to be mindful of how we can look to better financial planning in our own lives. So um, it's it's well worth it to to think about that and get ahead of the game. And yep, it, it's expensive, and we're here in the Daughters on Fire community to help not falling into, what am I trying to say, Robin? Money pits. Money pits. (laughs) Not falling into scams and traps of. Right. Like the pitfalls. There you go. Pitfalls. Pitfalls (laughs) along the way. We are here to help out. So uh, it's been great and we will catch you all next time. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and ask that you subscribe to this podcast. If you find this podcast helpful, please leave a review so we can reach more women like you. You are not alone on your journey, and the Fire Tribe is here to support you. Check us out at DaughtersOnFire.com and our Facebook group for more support and resources. Until next time, remember, you are the fire that fuels the engine of life.